It's November 10, 2023. Time for episode 242 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Throw your hands in the air. It's a Friday edition. Let's get started with the NFL. Thursday Night Football, Bears over Panthers 16-13. So this game didn't really have a hell of a lot of offense. I mean, it's been a while since I looked at a box score and saw that neither quarterback threw for a touchdown. I mean, maybe one quarterback in a, in a game might not, but both of them did not. Deonta Foreman had 21 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown for the Bears. Uh, for the Panthers, Emir Smith, Marset had a 79-yard punt return. The rest were field goals. So now with that win, the Bears are now 3-7. and seven. They go to Detroit. That will be Sunday, next Sunday, 1 p.m. on Fox. With this win, the Bears increased their chances of getting the number one pick. So because of some uh, a trade and, you know, some uh, changes, not changes, a trade because of a trade, um, Chicago picked up Carolina's first round draft pick in 2024. Um, Carolina is one in eight. They will play Dallas next Sunday. So be at home 1 p.m. on Fox. So. Let's take a moment to bask in this for a second. Now, again, uh, don't have a dog in a fight in either in, in either of these teams in this game. But as a casual observer of the game and what we experienced last year, Steve Wilkes had this team at 500 last season at a 500, about about six and six at about this point last year. Um, what an eight. I'm sorry, looking at the schedule. Right. So he had them at six and six. So he actually did a decent job. Frank Reich gets the job. So he fire Wilkes. So, and, you know, we all had the conversation about how terrible it was for him to get fired because it was a sham. Steve, uh, Frank Reich in two seasons between Indianapolis and Carolina is 413 and one. So you tell me. You tell me why this is happening. In other words, my whole thing is Steve Wilkes was doing a perfectly fine job and then they fire him to bring in Frank Reich for this team to be now one and eight. I mean, what are they doing in Carolina? Like, I'm sure some fans are asking themselves that question. They're kind of shaking their heads like, you know, last year wasn't terrible. It's like, how much worse could this get? Well, here's your answer. It's got that much worse. And really, it's the management. So or, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. It's the management, stupid. So, you know, hey, this is yet another or kind of part of the reason why the NFL, in my opinion, and and I've said this before, this is my why the NFL, in my opinion, is not a very serious league. I mean, you know, they talk this talk about diversity and then a coach who, you know, he isn't taking the team to the Super Bowl, but he's got the team in a halfway deep, decent position and they fire him to bring in a guy who, you know, I mean, has, you know, some skin in the game. Um, but they bring in a coach who didn't do that well in his previous stop just to come to your stop and do just about as bad. 413 and one is pathetic. I mean, if Steve Wilkes had that coaching record, um, trying to get a job in the NFL, he would never get talked to. So take it for what it is, but hate to say it, you know, sorry for pain. I feel sorry for the Panthers fans because again, you know, they expect more. Um, they've seen success, but again, the, the NFL, they talk out both sides of their mouth. I mean, you know, they, you know, preach this. We want there to be diversity in the coaching ranks, but yet, 
black coaches get fired left and right that are doing decent. I mean, not terrible. They're doing decent. And here we go. They are, you know, they're canning guys for who they think are better candidates. And, you know, guess what? It, it doesn't work out. Let's look at notable games from the NFL on Sunday. Browns at Ravens, 1 p.m. on Fox. 49ers at Jaguars, 1 p.m. on Fox. Saints at Vikings, also 1 p.m. on Fox. Lions at Chargers, 405 on CBS. Monday Night Football, Broncos at Bills, 815, ESPN, and ABC. Let's move over to Major League Baseball. Ron Washington, the third base coach in Atlanta, is the new manager of the Los Angeles Angels. So if you remember, uh, Ron Washington took the Texas Rangers to the World Series twice, so in 2010 and 2011. So they have two, now three, American League pennants. He was the manager for seven years uh, in Texas, then he resigned. So Washington gets a two-year contract, and he will be the oldest manager in baseball at 71, and one of two black managers in the MLB, the other being Dave Roberts. Remember that Dusty Baker uh, retired at the end of the Astros' run through the playoffs. Um, for Los Angeles, this is their fifth manager in seven years. And the team, so again, here's another rant about management. So maybe I think I have the name, the title already for this show. We just finished talking about terrible management in Carolina. Now we got management that's meh uh, in Anaheim. So overall, the team has good, good talent. I mean, guys like Mike Trout. Um, Shohei Otani, he's there. They decided to kind of not um, farm him out, but essentially, in order to build this team, the front office kind of really depleted the farm system. So they kind of gave up a lot of get good talent in order to kind of keep the team together. So Los Angeles is kind of at a talent deficit. They've got veteran guys who can play baseball. A lot of big contracts. There's some talent on the team that's not that they're not certain about the talent. Um, the pitching is absolutely awful. So Ron Washington comes in, has to manage this roster, but the front office has to do a better job of trying to manage it all and put in front of him a roster that he can work with to potentially turn the uh, the uh, fortunes around of the Angels. Um, yeah, this is going to be interesting to watch because I feel like uh, Los Angeles's front office has really not been making a lot of good decisions for some time now. Otani's probably going to leave. I figure for his level of talent, for what he can do, I got a really good feeling someone's going to make him an offer he really, really can't turn down. So we're going to keep an eye on this, but... At some point, something's going to happen with Otani, and I think he's going to roll out and end up somewhere else uh, in MLB. Other news from Major League Baseball. Oakland Mayor Shane Tao sent a letter to 15 MLB owners ahead of the winter meetings in Arlington. And in this letter, the mayor outlined why these particular uh, owners should vote against the A's move to Las Vegas. So there are 30 team owners. So three quarters of them, about 23 of them need to vote yes to approve the move. So in the letter, what was so she so the so the mayor, I don't know he or she, I apologize. So the mayor, I'll just say the mayor, the mayor uh, in the letter uh, sought to um, contend or contest a lot of claims that were made uh, against the city and their 
their work to try to keep the team intact. So, for example, um, Oakland did in did in fact in a timely fashion obtain about about nine hundred, almost uh, a billion, really of money. So about four hundred and twenty eight million in public funding, and about five hundred and twenty eight million in city county money. And that city county money will kind of be through increasing taxes in the city and county. So compared to what Las Vegas is bringing to the table. So we said 428 in public, 528. So this is million in county and city money. Um, Las Vegas, uh, the money that was talked about in the article I read was 380 million. And what was said in the letter from the mayor is essentially we're going to send the team to Vegas. 380 million is going to build a stadium that's much smaller. So the money that they procured, according to the mayor, will allow uh, Oakland to build a big new modern stadium. So they have, I think, the 428 is for off-site infrastructure. 528 is for on-site infrastructure. So, so that's if I if my math is correct, that's damn near a billion dollars uh, versus about three hundred eighty million that Vegas is offering. Also, coupled with that, that the media market that the A's are going to is a lower media market. So, if I read this correctly, and I hope I did, is that the Bay Area has the tenth largest media market. Vegas has like the fortieth largest media market. So, it's kind of like. You're, it, it's kind of a, a lose all the way around. Three hundred eighty million gets you a stadium, but it doesn't get you a big stadium. While a billion dollars, damn near a billion dollars, or close to it, or a billion, gets you a modern stadium um, you know, with all the amenities, all the infrastructure. So you probably have to also think about parking and all the other things that come along with building a baseball stadium. Um, the mayor also went on to say that Las Vegas should be considered for an expansion team and the A's should remain in Oakland. So um, they did mention the team specifically this that I'm sorry. They did. They mentioned the teams as specifically the letter went to. I didn't get a list of the teams. I think the Yankees actually were one of those teams. But for the most part, we'll see how it all goes. Um, uh, it, it's just a big mess there. Um, the again, here's the management. The management's terrible. Um uh, wow, that seems to be today's theme. It's the management, stupid. Um, but the management's not so good. They have one of the lowest um, payrolls in baseball. Um, then, of course, this season was kind of one long protest by A's fans. And our, our good friend DJ Art <laughs> has referred to him, referred to the A's as uh, Major League's best AAA team, <laughs> which is hilarious. But... Um, and I think uh, the fans had a night where they went with signs and, um, you know, protest signs uh, to kind of say, look, keep the team in Oakland, you know, do better, more or less. So we'll see how it all pans out. But um, as we know, with hot stove starting, a lot will come out of the winter meetings. Um, I'm sure they're going to evaluate and talk about all the changes in baseball that came about through the pitch clock, which actually... I thought was awesome. I mean, watching a baseball game on television is not a, it's not torture anymore. I mean, you got those pitchers pitching that ball. The game goes faster. I, I thought this is probably one of the best things in baseball. I'm thinking, why didn't we do this 20 years ago? It's so 
uh, awesome that the game goes faster. I think uh, I read something that the games are now what on average about an hour shorter or something like that. So you go two instead of like three and a half to four hours, the games are going like two and a half, close to three hours. So I mean, um, a lot to talk about outside of just you know the things that will happen on the field, um, but the, I'm sorry, off the field stuff, but a lot of on the field stuff will be discussed uh, in the upcoming upcoming winter meetings uh, in Arlington, Texas. College basketball. Let's get to some uh, updates from college basketball. Last night, couple uh, ladies games, number 18, Florida State upsets number 11, Tennessee, 92-91 on a late three-pointer. So for Florida State, this is their first top five non-conference opponent win since 2009. Um, again, as I I kind of just took a quick look at the team stats and Tennessee, they're the turnovers. I don't I didn't watch the game, but their turnovers bothered me. I think I feel like it was 18 to 11 or something like that. It was some bizarre, some crazy number. But I feel like when Tennessee loses a basketball game, turnovers tend to be the issue. So I so again, I don't know if it was a function of not playing well or was a, a, a function of defense. It could be a little bit of both. But that's something that over the years, as I've been watching Tennessee kind of make that climb back into the top 25 and, you know, hang around, beat some really good teams. And, you know, they're in the conversation in the SEC. When they lose games against other top 25 teams, um, and I didn't know Florida State was ranked, which I looked at the rankings, but I just didn't really focus on that, which I can see the Florida State. they uh, good team. I mean, they're a good, tough team. They play defense, uh, got some shooters on that team from what I saw last year, and I believe they had a number of those players coming back. But, I mean, with Tennessee, turnovers seem to be the thing that's their Achilles heel. So, again, it's only what this think is their first or second game. So it's early. So now is what, what does Tennessee do to kind of counter that? Because, again, that is a thing that seems to be, at least from my observation, a consistent problem with Tennessee. And, and they've got some people back this year. So there is no reason that Tennessee can't be... A, a top five seed uh, in the tournament. I mean, I know we're a long way from the tournament. There's a lot, there's so much basketball to be played, but with this loss, they'll definitely drop down a few pegs. So there's still some opportunities for them to kind of, you know, get back into uh, the top, top 11, top 10, but that's something they've got to fix. They've got to figure out like, what's the issue with their turnovers. And because as we know, turnovers, if the other team is, running or they're efficient and run their offense turnovers lead to points so you don't want to give the other team the ability to score off of your turnovers um one other sorry two other games from the top 25 oklahoma upsets number 12 old miss 80 to 70 so again um still early i'm sure that you know whatever the issue was with that game coach yo will fix it um but you know oklahoma not ranked uh, as of right now, which is a little unusual. Um, there are years where we're used to seeing uh, Oklahoma ranked, um, but, you know, it's still early and I'm sure Oklahoma will be uh, somewhere lurking around the top 25 at some point this season. In the ally tip off, number three, Iowa over number eight, Virginia Tech, 80 to 76. So a matchup of two teams that made the final four last year. 
who you think killed it last night? Of course, Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark goes 44 points, eight rebounds, six assists. And one other crazy stat, because you know Caitlin Clark with her points, she's always going to have some ridiculous stat. She attempted 31. So do your math, ladies and gentlemen. 31 of Iowa's 68 shots. So she damn near attempted half of Iowa's shots. And I forget her what her 31 out of blah, 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 whatever. I didn't get that uh, stat line where her field goals were. But for the most part, shooting like that, 40, 44 points. I mean, what do you expect from last year's uh, National Player of the Year? Georgia Amore goes for 31 for the Hokies with seven three-pointers. Iowa out-rebounded Virginia Tech 47-40. to 40, So that's big, too. Because one of the questions with Iowa was it wasn't so much about what Caitlin Clark was going to do. It was more so how do they replace the talent that they lost? So here's a team that went to the Final Four and you know, okay, everyone knows Caitlin Clark. Um, but we forget about, uh, oh my gosh, and the, the young lady's name just slipped out of my brain. <laughs> I was like, and you know, so-and-so and her name just slipped out of my brain. But they, she had a really good cast of characters around her. And now, you know, They've got good players in that team, but now they got to reshuffle the role. So players who either started last year or players who came off the bench last year, their role increases, you know, around Caitlin Clark, which in probably what is going to be her last season um, at Iowa, because, you know, right now, at least one of the WNBA mock drafts I've seen has her as the first pick, which again, that could change as the season goes along but I, I i feel like unless somebody comes out like gangbuster she's probably going to be the top pick and then everybody behind her has this ability to kind of you know move up the draft board or as we've seen there's always that one player that moves into the draft board that you probably never heard of um well you know what actually as i think about it there's a good chance someone could overtake her as the top pick so so again it's all going to be about what we're going to see as the season kind of uh takes shape over the next few weeks going into uh conference play which conference play for many teams will start um end of this month going into january i'm um, of this month i'm sorry in december it feels like december what am i talking about it feels like december but uh, a lot of teams will start conference play next month in December. Let's look at the Sunday schedule for the ladies. Number 14, Maryland, heads to number six, South Carolina. That game, 1 p.m. on ABC. Uh, 5 p.m. ESPN. Number nine, Indiana heads to Palo Alto to take on 15th-ranked Stanford. For the men, not a whole lot of ranked action this past week. Ranked teams were playing, but no ranked-on-ranked action. That will end next week. The Champions Classic will be next week. We'll talk uh, about Champions Classic next week. Number 12, Arizona heads to Durham to take on number two, Duke at Cameron, 7 p.m. ESPN 2. That is tonight. Um, there will be college football on tonight. I have one game I'll pick, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, college football. <laughs> Speaking of college football, um, I didn't talk about the CFP rankings last week. And last week, um, what it was with the rankings were what Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington. So from this week, from last week to this week, so last week was the first week, those rankings have not changed. So as we look at the week two rankings and the opponents that are coming up for these teams, um, 
Ohio State should be fine. They got Michigan State. They got a really not so good Michigan State team. Um, Ohio State should hold on to number one spot and beat Michigan State. Florida State and four. They got Miami. I'll I'll call the Miami game in just a moment. Um, again, they're going to be in the dogfight. I don't think that's a sure thing, but I think the chances are pretty good they'll win that game. Um, Georgia, Michigan, and Washington are all in dogfights. We'll talk call call those games in just a second. All right. So let's get to the week 11 picks. So for week 11, I have 17 games. Let's start tonight at from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. The Mountain West, Wyoming visits UNLV, 1045 Fox Sports 1. UNLV are four-point favorites. I'll take the running Rebels over Wyoming. Saturday, we'll start noon on Fox. Number three, Michigan heads to number 10, Penn State. Michigan are four-point favorites. I'll take Michigan over Penn State. This game will be close. I don't think you know, we, we've seen what Michigan's been doing to teams. So teams that aren't quite as talented or equipped to handle the Michigan offense, they've been just running straight over them. Penn State, I think Penn State brings it. They definitely have the talent. They definitely have you know enough in the tank to hang with Michigan. But I think the Michigan offense is, I would say unstoppable, but it's pretty it's it's got some it's got some speed to it. it's got some wheels to it so i'll take michigan close over penn state noon espn number eight alabama heads to kentucky alabama are 11 point favorites um i'm gonna take alabama here um i've been liking kentucky you know what mark stoops has been doing and they had a couple pretty big wins uh early in the season alabama once they started you know you know they, they hit a rough patch, and they've sort of figured it out. I think it was the A&M game where uh, Nick Saban basically said, look, it wasn't pretty. We're figuring it out. We won the game. They're starting to get it get it together. So I'll take Alabama over Kentucky. Noon on Fox Sports 1. Number 16, Kansas heads to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. Kansas are four-point favorites. I'll take the Jayhawks over the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. Noon on Peacock, Maryland heads to Nebraska. Maryland two-point favorites. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. I'm going to take Maryland. <laughs> and I swear to you, I am going to be so incredibly mad if Nebraska wins this game. Because, again, remember, this is a Maryland team that was rolling. Then what? Then they lose to Northwestern, and and I think what they got rolled by Penn State last week. So I mean, they got to pick it up this week and beat Nebraska. I think they've got enough to take to beat Nebraska. If they don't, that's going to be a problem because if you think about it, Maryland fans should have been mad about the Penn State loss. Oh, I'm sorry, they should not have been mad about the Penn State loss. I mean, I think Maryland has gotten more talent in. But the talent deficit is still there. Penn State is uber talented. And as I've talked about before, Mike Loxley has got to figure out what Penn State is doing to lure a lot of guys out of Maryland to Happy Valley because there's a pipeline and he's got to keep those guys home. So I don't know what's happening, but he's got to figure out how to keep a lot of these guys in state because those guys are going to Penn State and they're killing it. But I mean, Nebraska, they're kind of reeling. I mean, there's, you know, it's year one of Matt Rule. I'm sure people are feeling some kind of way. It's one of those situations where it's like, okay, it's the first year he inherits a lot of guys who, you know, he inherits a team where guys, you know, play for the previous coach. Some of the guys stay, some of the guys left. They're going to play football for you. They're trying to learn the system. They're winning football games, but they're not winning at a, at a clip that, you know, some fans will 
appreciate. So, for example, or, or to think of it this way, you know, we know the some of us rather know the Nebraska of old. And for me, as a college football purist, I would like to see the Nebraska of old again. It ain't happening this year. Will it happen next year? Mm, it's going to take a while. But Matt Rule has had a track record of of improving teams. So now the issue is, you know, since he went to the NFL, didn't work out. I kind of have a feeling he's going to be in Nebraska for a while. So there's the opportunity to build this, rebuild this program into something that potentially can be a contender in the Big Ten. But I'm going to take Maryland and Maryland, damn it, you better win. Or, yeah, there's going to be some awards handed out next week. Noon ACC Network, Virginia Tech heads to Chestnut Hill to take on Boston College. Virginia Tech are one and a half point favorites. This will be a close game. I think I'm going to take Tech close. I didn't pick it, but I'm picking it now. And I kind of feel some kind of way because here's the thing. Tech over the last few games, they've picked it up. Now, they got rolled last week. I think it was Louisville rolled them last week. So Louisville's a pretty good football team. I mean, they are very good. Um, Now, Virginia gave them all they could handle last night. And, you know, Virginia is not as bad as people think they are because they've lost some close games. I mean, Virginia had opportunities last night. The defense just let down at the wrong time. Louisville scores on a 78-yard run, and that was pretty much the ball game. So, um, But going back to Tech, I think with the way that they've kind of picked it up, I kind of think they can get a close win over Boston College. Noon ABC, Georgia Tech heads to Death Valley, the South Carolina version, take on Clemson. Clemson are two touchdown favorites. Again, Tech, they're, they're, they're very Jekyll and Hyde, and I think for them to go to Clemson and beat them at home, I think is going to be a tall task, which means they're, what, plus 14 and a half. I'll take Clemson over Georgia Tech. Uh, to be on Pac-12 Network, number 21, Arizona, heads to Boulder to take on Colorado. Arizona are 10 and a half point favorites. I'll take Arizona close by a touchdown. Again, Arizona's, they, they're figuring it out. They pick up their pace at the right time. It's going to be a dogfight. Colorado, they got fight in them. They're tough. They're not going to lay down and die, but I'm going to take Arizona by a touchdown over Colorado. 330 ABC, the big rivalry of the week. Miami heads to Tallahassee to take on number four Florida State. Florida State are two touchdown favorites. This will be closer to 14, but I will take Florida State over Miami. Again, you know, what started out, as a pretty good career for Tyler Van Dyke, it's just kind of not really going anywhere. So, I mean, again, I still think he's a skilled quarterback. It's just it just hasn't been good uh, for the season. I believe he's been hurt as well. But, you know, Jordan Travis and Florida State, they've just been just knocking folks down. So I'll take Florida State. 330 Fox, number 18, Utah heads to Seattle to take on fifth ranked Washington. Washington are nine and a half point favorites. Another team with an underrated defense, an offense that's kind of hit some skids. They don't have uh, uh, Cam Rising. Uh, they do have some good backups, but I like Washington close over Utah. 330 CBS, number 13, Tennessee, heads to Columbia to take on number 14, Missouri. Number 14, Missouri. Can you say that to yourself a few times? Um, Tennessee are two-point favorites. I'll take Tennessee over Missouri. As we know, Missouri, they're playing some better football. Um, they, I think, are probably 
a few recruits and some transfers away from really being, you know, in the conversation, maybe you know, not winning the SEC, but being really, really solidly in the conversation. But I don't think they beat Tennessee. I think Tennessee beats them um, more than two, but it's not more than two touchdowns, maybe a touchdown over Missouri. 330 Big Ten Network. Rutgers heads to Iowa City to take on number 22, Iowa. Iowa, a one-point favorites. We're going to chop some wood with Rutgers. We'll take Rutgers over Iowa. That offense is absolutely abysmal. So the question you ask yourself is, and I think we've asked this question before, does Kurt Ferentz cut ties with his kid and bring in an OC who can generate some offense, or is he just going to keep him around because that's his kid and he figures it's going to get better? I'm going with the latter, to be honest with you. I don't think he's going to do anything. Um, I, I don't I don't really have the pulse of the Iowa fan base. I do know somebody I would like to have him on the show to talk about <laughs> Iowa football, but I'm going to take Rutgers over Iowa. 7 p.m. ESPN, number nine, Ole Miss heads to uh, Georgia, take on second-ranked Bulldogs. Georgia are 11-point favorites. Man, you know, you, you know Lane Kiffin. He, he's got something going. He's, he's, he's got something cooking, so... Um, I'm going to take Georgia. So <laughs> had you fooled. You're thinking, you're picking Ole Miss? Nah, bro. Nah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's something about Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin that's very, very fascinating. That that whole situation with him and the SIP is very fascinating to me. Um, but frankly, I think Georgia will win it. It'll be closer than 11 points, maybe do I say 10, 10 points is really not that off, much off of 11, but it'll be a closer game than 11, but I got Georgia winning that game. 7 p.m. on Fox, West Virginia heads to Oklahoma, 17th ranked Sooners. Sooners are 13-point favorites. This I did, now I didn't pick this one, so this is the last of the slew, slate of games I haven't actually picked yet. West Virginia's picked it up. Oklahoma, they've hit their stride they've been kind of up and down um i'm gonna take oklahoma over west virginia 13 points sounds probably about right i'll take oklahoma over west virginia i'll, I'll take the 13 8 p.m 8 acc network the 110th all-time meeting and the 75th meeting for the victory bill duke heads down to chapel hill to take on 24th ranked tar heels unc are two touchdown favorites Duke defense, good offense, struggling. I'll take Carolina over Duke. And again, here's another game where I'm hoping Carolina doesn't let me down because, again, they've been very up and down all season. They've lost some games they shouldn't have lost. The defense has actually gotten to a level to where they're not super terrible. But again, when they give up a lot of points, it's a it's a wrap. So if they can keep Duke. Um, if they can keep the Duke offense, you know, kind of grounded, which I think they can, they'll win this game. If Duke comes out scoring points, it's going to be a long night, but we'll go with UNC to hold on to the victory bell. 10-15 ESPN, Iowa State heads to BYU. Iowa State are eight and a half point favorites. I'll take BYU plus eight and a half over Iowa State. And lastly, 10-30 Fox, Pac-12 after dark. USC heads to number six, Oregon. Oregon are 15 and a half point favorites. Oregon. I mean, again, you've got good offense, terrible defense. You got Oregon, great offense, good defense. I think Oregon wins over USC. 10 points. 15 and a half seems like a lot. We'll go with 10 uh, for Oregon, USC. 
All right, so there you go. There's the 17 games we'll pick for week 11. So I'm going to start looking at week 12 and week 13 kind of in advance here because week 12, we start to see some of rivalry week get rolled out. The following week is all the rivalry games as we head into Thanksgiving. So I want to start thinking about those games now. Uh, we'll be looking at the CFP rankings this coming Tuesday um, after all the, the games are done. But I think the teams that are probably with some concern definitely georgia definitely michigan definitely washington ohio state should be fine florida state i think should be okay i think they will do well against miami but with rivalry games we know uh how that goes with the rivalry game but we will get back to all that next week i appreciate you listening i don't have dubs and l's this week i i've been looking didn't see anything um really great and really egregious this week i think i kind of said my piece a little bit uh, again with the NFL segment talking about Carolina and their you know they're they're just their terrible management but again we'll kind of circle back to everything next week uh hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday thank you for listening remember to subscribe rate the show give me a five star rating if you can of course uh, su- uh suggest the show to somebody email the show the shows the information to the email is in the show notes and until i talk to you again make sure that you continue to mask up get your covid shot get your flu shot stay healthy and also remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you peace thank you for listening to the latest episode of the sports wagon podcast if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.